Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to start talking about what does it mean to be human? How are we human? I don't know. We're still figuring it out. We're figuring a lot of things out. I'm Craig. <laughs> and I'm Carla. And we're trying to understand being human from the perspective, perspective of God's story in the Bible. It's more than just being a species like Homo sapiens. We think it's about community, about relationships, and about welcoming. We're figuring it out, still. So, join us as we do. Because we're not holier than you. Oh, I didn't want that to rhyme. Oh, hey, we're recording. Oh, okay. Good evening. It's evening here. We're a little late. I'm Carla. I'm Craig. And we are not holier than you. You know, we started this podcast last year talking about the image of God in human beings and, and all that kind of thing. And we still have that same intro to the podcast, even though we're not specifically talking about that topic. It seems like it's a good backdrop against behind everything that we're talking about anyway. Right. As we as we go through the book, How to Have an Enemy, Righteous Anger, and the Work of Peace. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it, there's almost some irony there, <laughs> you know, about being the image of God and being uh, together, human, co-humanity and all that. And this is about how to have an enemy, which is like, what? Right, so right. So maybe the challenge is how do we get back to co-humanity and community and some kind of unity? And sometimes we have to deal with anger to get there. Right. So one of the, so do you, do you want to give just an overview of what you think about this chapter? Cause I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, oh. Or do you want me to just jump in? We're, we're on chapter four, uh, page 63. It's called shared anger and forgiveness. I will try to answer your questions. So uh, one of the, the first thoughts that came to my mind is, is about anger <clears throat> and being part of a peace-loving pacifist tradition is that, well, we just don't get angry because anger, you know, is, can be violent or frightening or intimidating. And, and as people of peace, we shouldn't do all those angry expressions and all that stuff, we, right? Right. We're supposed to be showing love, or and kindness, and yet well, being nice. We're supposed being to be nice. nice, just nice. We're well. Maybe it's because we think of the um, uh, fruit of the spirit, and you know, there's that song or whatever it is that kids learn in church about the fruit of the spirit. I, I seem to recall a, a song somewhere along the line, at least our children were singing, were, I remember singing along with it about the fruit of the spirit and nothing in there says the fruit of the spirit is anger. Oh, okay. <laughs> Paul really talks about a lot about that kind of stuff, but Jesus doesn't quite shy away from it. Um, he does talk about places in which um, there are members of the community who are upset with one another and they have to go through, they, he talks about a process through which they can go in order to um, forgive one another. He tells a story of the uh, king in Matthew 18, a little past that, where um, 
the the servant is brought before him who has a huge debt and he begs for forgiveness and the king forgives him but then the servant goes out and turns around and doesn't forgive the debt of someone to him and so the king hears about it and throws the first servant into into prison i think it is and and because the king was so outraged at this lack of forgiveness that was shown when he was when he had been shown this this servant had been shown forgiveness so you know we 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 have kind of a two sides we have jesus who who has talked about anger but he calls us to love we have paul who talks about the fruit of the spirit and and then he tells us to put away anger and bitterness and things like that so mm. That might be part of why we think we should be nice. So I want to ask about, focus on anger, but I want to get back to that Bible story. Okay. Another question about anger. Um, and maybe this is kind of just, um, how, do, how do people get angry? I mean, what is it like to be angry? And I think there's two sides to that. One is we all have an experience of getting angry and losing control. Yeah. And that can be frightening for everybody. Right. And then what are, what's it like to get angry, but not lose control? What is controlled anger? What is out of control anger? And how does that apply to this? Oh, so, I mean, cause boy. anger is not just anger. There's, there's kind of different types, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Controlled anger, though, sometimes can be anger that's being pushed down and not being dealt with, perhaps. And then it does explode out at some point, some way. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking of um, the cartoon characters, like, you know, in the in Saturday morning cartoons. And I can't... Back when there used to be Saturday morning Right. Cartoons. I can't specifically say which one, but I remember you know, like a horn is going off, like a tooting horn and there's, and there's smoke or steam coming out of their ears and their faces are turning red and they're just standing there like, Bugs Bunny, you did it to me again. Is Elmer Fudd or somebody like that. Um, and I think that sometimes we as human beings think that anger, either we squelch it down or we want retribution and we want vengeance okay. for our anger. Do you think we, yeah, so that squelching of anger is uncomfortable. I mean, I yeah. like the cartoon image because it does not look like a comfortable place. Is that, do you think we find it more, we'd rather be repressed and hold it down than to get in that scary place of expressing it? Um, Maybe, maybe. And then it comes, it comes out in other ways. I think it comes out in ways in which either we're, we're kind of grumpy all the time or we do things that undermine someone else or, or it comes out in, in that passive aggressive way where it's kind of a backhanded kind of way of getting our anger out. And that doesn't do anyone any good either. So maybe it is good to kind of let the steam out, 
and then rein it back in. We, interestingly, this is kind of what we were talking about yesterday with my group of 10, 11 year old fifth graders. How mad am I? And I started the lesson off kind of feeling angry because something that they were all kind of doing. It was like, you guys, I'm just really mad, you know, but I'm not going to hold on to it. And then we moved on and, and we talked about ways of dealing with anger that, yeah, there, and we, we gauged, you know, on a scale of one to five, what things made us angry and how angry they made us. And then we talked about what are things that we can do to manage that anger. It was kind of interesting that we were working on that just yesterday. So, so I think that's, <clears throat> so dissecting anger a little bit. We, the, what about, what would you call appropriate anger or righteous anger or anger, anger that's correctly or uh, so expressed? Maybe there's two <clears throat> kinds of anger. There's anger that is interpersonal between uh, maybe family members and friends. And, and that's direct, and we we maybe get it out of the way, we fuss, we tussle, we whatever, you know, we have that argument, and then we move on and we carry on. And then there's anger that is more societal and has um, a, a broader impact on the world than, you know, my argument that I had with you say two days ago, we did not, but, um, you know, <laughs> hypothetically, hypothetically that we've, that we put through. So, so there are things in the world that are going on that make us angry. And that might be the anger that you're talking about. And how do we appropriately express anger about things like racial injustice, uh, climate change, uh, where it seems like the movement toward any kind of change is so slow and so, and being so pushed back against it by many that it's frustrating as a person, as a human being. Oh, our dog is barking. Um, so yeah. yeah, so I think you, you brought up a couple of things that I, so let me just in brief, <clears throat> a story, a, not really a story, but a description of an event. So one night after track practice, back in the good old days when we had an indoor track, uh, so this was, must've been 2019, maybe I can't remember. Uh, but I remember staying after track and having conversation there were just four of us there. Two were black, two were white. And the those who grew up in this country, you know, equality and all that, who happened to be black, had a very different world than the other two of us, you know, who were white. And to me it was it 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 was disappointing. It was it was sad, it was grievous. I felt bad for my friends i but i didn't have a place to to get angry at you know what i mean oh and that, then okay and and then um it was when george floyd was murdered 
that I felt really angry because I felt hurt that friends of mine were vulnerable. And now, now the anger began to almost feel like it was real, you know, okay. still didn't know who to get angry at. Okay. But yeah, it's hard to get angry at culture. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it feels impersonal, big and vague. Uh huh. But the other part that gets personal, and I think, uh, um, Flora Bixler picks it up is I want to get angry at my whiteness. Oh, I, that my sense of normality and privilege from where I am is that's the way it should be. And I'm fine because everything's going my way. I should get angry at my carrying that. How do, and I'm, that I've been shaped that way to be blind to the way others are mistreated. And that gets to the other question that I wanted to ask you is about, well, should we not get angry? Should we just be a little bit more patient with ourselves and, you know, let things change slowly in, in culture? I mean, we, you, you were talking about um, a professor at BSU who said some horrible things mm -hmm. uh, about women. Yeah, yeah. And and I said, I think I was trying trying to make the point that you know, we've heard it in the past that women should be patient, patient and let right. change come. It's coming slowly. Right. He he used the term some about women, I think, in particular, women who are seeking change that were medicated, meddlesome, meddlesome and quarrelsome, which really got some people angry. And one woman put her anger into something really positive. I just read this recently. She raised something like $70,000 to put towards scholarships for women at BSU. That's a positive way to use your anger now that I think about that. Um, our, our, well, mainly your friend, Whitney, but now our friend Whitney put her probably her frustration and anger with racial inequality into something positive by creating inclusive Idaho and her candles, her candle company, um, equity candle company, equity candle company. This podcast yes. sponsored by, not really, but it <laughs> well, was. no, it isn't, but maybe we could get her to do that. Um, those are some positive ways thinking about it to work, out maybe that anger to to say let's find let's solve the problem let what are the solutions we can create maybe i mean and i don't see this necessarily in this chapter but what are the creative ways that we can put our anger anger into good use um so i wonder about this the scholarships uh-huh um and, and inclusive Idaho or other things like that. Do you think anger is almost necessary to give birth to that? I mean, or mm. at least in those stories, was the anger necessary to create the impetus or the energy to move it forward? Maybe, maybe for those people, that's the anger is, was the impetus, but it it sounds like it moved into a positive thing and maybe for Whitney and this other young woman who started the, um, the fundraising, something positive has come out of that. I mean, there's, there's other, uh, ways in which people have, uh, 
strived. I don't think strove? that's strove. Yeah, I know. I was kind of got stuck there on the word uh, to to do something positive, and there may be negative aspects to it, and sometimes maybe anger seems ugly because or or bad because ugliness is being pointed out. Ugliness is being brought to light. And that ugliness has to make us angry to try and make something beautiful of it. I mean, the other place where maybe anger has taken place, uh, where something positive has come is the, um, uh, uh, we had them here, the anvils, (laughs) you know, the swords into plowshares. I can't think of their name. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't remember their names either, but yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So, uh, they, they take the guns, it. they take guns and turn them, turn them into gardening tools. Why I can't remember who they are right now, but, but there must have been some sense of anger in order to move. Let's find a positive thing that we can turn these from swords into plowshares, basically taking the biblical mandate. Um, floor, um, Flora Bixler talks about shared anger. And one of the things that I felt, what was it now, last two summers ago, when there were all the, there was the unrest and there was the, there was for the longest time what was going on in Portland and trying to tell people this, to explain what was going on. There's a lot of people who don't want to hear that. And so it's hard to be angry alone. And I think maybe that's what Flora Bixler is getting to here is that as Christians, as people of faith, as, as a church, when we come together with a shared sense of anger at an injustice that we see, we have the opportunity to make it different, to bring change. So do you think people don't want, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about your description of Portland and, you know, people don't want to know that or, and that, that, that is that there's something to get angry about, that there's something, do People are you saying that people really prefer to live with blinders on? And- yes. Remember you your story of well, this is the way it is, and for oh gosh, I mean I'm I'm here we are in Idaho. We white people are the majority, um, but across the country, it's not so much a majority. There is there are, there is more diversity diversity than we experience here. And yet there are people who still want to live as if diversity is not acceptable. You have to be like us. I don't care that you're, you know, I'm, I'm talking of people who want to stay the same. I don't care that your skin color is black or brown or whatever. Uh, they, someone might say, you got to be like me. You got to see things like I do and that'll make you okay too. And, and that way of seeing things is 
whiteness. Whiteness, right. A culture of whiteness. And <clears throat> our nation was founded on a culture of whiteness and white supremacy. And it's hard to move away from that. And when the church, the evangelical church in particular, marries itself to that cultural attitude through politics, it's a problem. And yeah. it's hard as, as a Christ follower to feel like I'm getting mad at people who are supposed to be my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think maybe that's and that's, Art, and that's definitely something that she picks up on the book in a couple of places, that story. Right. Now, if, to wrap up, I mean, we're, yeah. this anger goes somewhere. Yes. I mean, the goal of anger isn't just to be angry. The goal of anger is hopefully toward some kind of justice. Mm. And in the story from Matthew, the justice that the the ruler, the rich guy, the justice he practiced was forgiveness and restoration. And he gets angry that this other servant didn't practice that to the to his servant. Right. Correct. Yeah. And so there's, there's this model of there's a prevailing model of justice and reconciliation that this junior supervisor does. Like, I don't want to do that. I want right. to take, take advantage of the guy under me. And so the king or whoever. Says, well. Since you were cruel to your guy, I'm just going to let you get tortured until you pay the very last penny. Mm -hmm. What's that? Well, Flora Bixler brings up the old order. And um, so when we look at what Jesus brought about of love, of caring, of compassion, of helping others, loving God, loving your neighbor. And uh, Paul puts it in the sense in Philippians 2, uh, verses 1 through 4, he talks about putting others before yourself. And then he says, take on the, in 5 through 11, talks about taking on Christ. And, and he talks about that many, many times. Um, it, I think that that means, oh golly, now I forgot what your question was. Sorry, guys. Torture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Why is that an outcome? Yeah. Because we have a new way that we are supposed to live, but when the old way continues to be the way that gets brought forth, even by people who say they follow Jesus, that old way of, yep, you can just go to, we'll just, we, we just... You know, we want you to be treated badly. We want you to be thrown into the lion's den or whatever it is. That old way is supposed to be gone. It, and so we need to find the new way, which is, I think, working towards solutions, working towards ways of finding how we can move forward and leave behind what God has said we need to leave behind so that we can move toward that new place in Christ where the reign of God is, is key. And now, I don't think I've answered that question. Um, and that's something that we'll get to, dis to discuss more. <laughs> 
Sunday morning, but... Um, How we as Christ followers can ban, banish people to torture. No, oh. <laughs> no. I think um, Flora Bixler says the old order represented by Gentiles and tax collectors prescribes vengeance as punishment. So how do we make a new order and how do we get beyond vengeance and how do we get beyond punishment? And that's all we have time for tonight. Yeah. Well, we went a little longer than usual, but uh, we'll be talking about this some more. And if you are hearing this and you aren't haven't been to our church before, we invite you to come and, and share with us on a Sunday morning and we'll be talking about this together. Good bye, thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> All right, well hey, thank you for uh listening to our conversation. Not holier than you. <laughs> uh, and boy, we really like that title because I think it's true. Correct. <laughs> I thought I'd have to say it so quickly. Oh, I'm sorry. I know I'm not holier than anybody else Oh, I thought you meant here. me. Okay. No, no, no. So, I'm talking to, about myself. Uh, so we're a couple of pastors. Yep. We pastor a small congregation of Anabaptist Mennonites here in, in Idaho. Meridian, Idaho. Meridian, Idaho. Yep. We're just learning this stuff and trying to figure it out along with you. So if you if we say something that's heretical or horrible or you think we're just wrong, that's okay. We probably we might be. We're learning as we go. Oh, well, I don't think we're heretical in no. any way, but um, <laughs> I try a little. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, um, we are glad that you joined us, and we hope that you'll join us again. Great. All right. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye.